Welcome to the Newsmakers Podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and this is a show where we go behind the headlines every day to bring you an interview with a pastor, entertainer, politician, or other notable news figure. And this is a show, again, it's daily, but it's based on our weekly TV show, which is also called Newsmakers. You can watch it on the CBN News Channel and also on our YouTube page. And on this show, every day, we dive deep. It's a little more longer form with one of the people who you will often see on our Newsmakers show or across the CBN News platforms. On today's Newsmakers, an Ohio pastor reportedly faces criminal charges for violating zoning laws in housing the homeless. Pastor Chris Abel and First Liberty attorney Ryan Gardner join us to talk about the shocking legal case. With no further ado, let's welcome the pastor and also attorney Ryan Gardner to the show. Pastor, you are facing 18 criminal charges for violating your city's zoning laws. And so we'll start there. Can you tell us what led to this? (laughs) Well, uh, we opened in, I believe it was March, we opened our doors 24-7. Uh, so we decided as a church, um, it, it, again, from the beginning, uh, before we had uh, opened the church, this was the vision to eventually open 24-7. And in March, um, just through some things God had done and what we were seeing, we decided that was time It was time to do it so that people can come in day or night and, and find true rest, come in and pray at any time of day um, that... Some we there we had been also getting a lot of calls from the uh, city, like the police. We get calls all time two, three in the morning. Um, maybe someone had a domestic dispute and they needed somewhere to cool off, or, or something like that. And so um, this was a way we could assist that. And so we opened up twenty four seven, and uh, and that kind of led into um, the violations, which I can again let Brian talk about that, but. Uh, yeah. Can I ask you this? Cause it's interesting. You mentioned there that the police, you know, would even call you for help because here's this church, this center where people can come, as you were saying, to cool off, or if there are homeless people looking for refuge, especially in cold temperatures, this becomes a place. And I know that you opened 24 seven, I believe in the summer, uh, but now we're moving into these colder months. If the police were calling and they're, you know, forwarding people to you now, you, now you've run into a problem with the authorities here, it sounds like. And so it's it's interesting, and we could talk about that in a moment, but when it comes to what you've seen over the last few months as a result of being open 24 hours, what are some of the um, positive developments you've seen in the community as a result of what you've been offering there? Well, first and foremost, uh, from my perspective, uh, we've seen many who, if we were not open 24 hours, it, this wouldn't happen. Many come to faith in Christ. I mean, we're a church, so that's our thing, right? Is is sure. faith in Christ and following Christ, and and so for us, that's paramount. And uh, so that's, I mean, we've seen many come to Christ, and you know, from a more, let's say, practical city perspective, um, I firmly believe that everyone walks through the doors of the church walks out a better citizen. Like you, you I, I just mean this. I really believe this. You can't walk in the place. Uh, and not experience the love of Christ, even if you just walk through the doors for a few minutes. It's just, it's just what we're called to be is is the hands and feet and feet of Jesus, and I believe, um, I believe we do that. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give a quick, if you want, a story of, of a, maybe sure. a more practical nature. Um, we had this uh, this guy, uh, this cool guy Morgan. He came in, and uh, his bride to be Marilyn came in. 
And Morgan was an absolute disaster. He'll, he'll use those words so I could use them freely. Uh, and, and he basically, uh, he basically, he, he'll tell you that, that dad's place, uh, saved his life. Of course, now we're talking about Christ at work through dad's place. We can't take credit, but, um, he was on drugs and alcohol and, um, just a mess in every way. Has a lot of severe mental health issues, uh, is a veteran, young guy. Uh, but he, he and his wife were looking for a place and, um, they actually happened to call the, the police department and Brian, the Brian the police department recommended, Hey, why don't you call pastor Chris at dad's place? And, uh, they came in, uh, he confessed Christ just caught on fire for God. Um, he's, he's been a part of bap- us baptizing people. And, um, it's just incredible. The change in his life. Uh, he's been clean and sober. Um, his wife, uh, his wife to be his bride to be Marilyn, um, works, uh, helping disabled people in the community. Like that's her, her job, you know? Um, so it's just, that's just one story, but there's been so many fantastic stories. Uh, we have another family there here with us who their dad died of COVID. So right when the pandemic was hitting strong, um, and then a couple of years later, so just this past year, uh, their mom died and they're from a local town called Edgerton and very, very involved in the community. Almost everyone in Edgerton knows their name. Uh, and when their mom died, you know, one of the brothers took ownership of the house and that's great. And, and so, um, some of the other family had to leave and there was just no housing for them. Like they cannot find housing. Uh, they work, you know, he's worked at the bank for eight years. Uh, Jamie's his name and his sister, uh, works, um, as a caretaker, uh, and they, they just couldn't find any place. So they stayed at the homeless shelter. We're actually right next door to a homeless shelter. They stayed there for a bit. And um, frankly, the homeless shelter is always over full. So what happens is when you have the tangible means, you know, the money, frankly, to, to be on your own, they kind of say, hey, um, we just need you to move on because we have people who can't afford a place. And so Jamie had to leave, but he could not find a place. I mean, he, it's not like he didn't try. Again, he's been employed at the bank for eight years. He has money saved up and just couldn't find a place to stay. So he came next door and he's been a part of our family. I've known him for years. Uh, so there's just many stories of what God's doing there. But my favorite one is the salvations because, uh, you know, that's what impacts my heart. And seeing a life that's transformed your, That's by your Christ, business. That's well, your man, business, right? <laughs> I tell you, when you see a life transformed by Christ, you know, I don't know how much you know my story, and I know this is not the time for it, but I was an atheist, and I really, really was convinced there was no God. You know, I love sharing that story because I was I was convinced, and uh, God got me, and he, he he made me aware that I was the walking dead, and I I just have never been the same since. And I, you know, it's it, it's like whenever you experience something amazing, right? You want everyone to experience it. You know, that's why we share when we have yeah. an amazing experience in life. You know, if you go to a good restaurant, what do you tell people? You got to try this out. Tell everybody about it. Yeah. 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 And man, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And I just can't help myself from telling people about it. I, I really can't. I mean, he, God is just amazing. And, uh, and, and so that's our heart as a church is like, Hey, come in and meet God and you will never be the same. And so sorry for making a, a quick question, a long answer. No, that's a good long answer because you gave us stories that practically show how the church is being relied upon and used. And it really brings me, Ryan, to you and 
wanting to sort of understand, I mean, these zoning stories, we hear of them quite often. It does often happen with churches. It's interesting to me, Ryan, that the police are calling, and I don't know that it's if it's the same police officers or the same departments, calling and, and forwarding people there and asking for help. And now there's a legal problem with the authorities. Can, can you explain, legally speaking, what is going on here with the zoning laws? It's a head scratcher for me as well. Here, the police were referring people to Dad's place and everything was okay until it wasn't. And what happened is in November, they got a letter saying that they had to shut their doors and had to put these people with nowhere else to go on the streets. And you've heard the pastor talk about these people and his love for them, and he just couldn't do that. And so when he kept operating this ministry, helped care for the most needy and hurting in his community, the city came down on him with 18 criminal charges. And I'll say that the criminal aspect here is highly unusual. In fact, I've never seen anything like this. I've seen cities come after churches in the civil context when it comes to zoning issues, but to try to hold a pastor criminally liable and even put him in jail for simply what, are, what is the, the jail homeless. time on this? What is the jail time potential on? Like, let's say he's found guilty of all 18 of these charges. I believe that each charge carries like a six-month jail time option plus a fine on top of that. So depending on how, upon how aggressive the prosecution wants to be, you're talking about 18 counts. I mean, it, it could be six months. It could be a year. It could, if they really want to try to be aggressive, it could be multiple years. And the prosecution you- has, has said that that every day that he continues to keep his doors open is another violation. And so more charges could very well be coming in the future. And are the doors currently open as we're speaking still, Pastor? Yes. So just, I, I don't want to be overly specific on this, but I think it's an important detail. Are the same authorities, the same departments that were calling and, and connecting people to you, are they the same ones who have now been tasked with coming after you? Yes. What Ryan, what do you think it is that changed? I mean, there wasn't a lot of time here. I read, I, I did read a quote from an authority who had said, oh, there was plenty of time for them to make the changes and the updates that we asked for. But if I'm not mistaken here, this, you, you opened this over the summer, this, you know, you, you found out about these charges in, no, in November, that, that's not a lot of time. So Ryan, can you speak to that a little bit of what you think maybe changed in that time frame? It's hard to say exactly, but it seems to me that somebody in the city is hostile to this ministry and doesn't want it there. And, and maybe we're looking at a situation where a city official is, is thinking this, this is a not in my backyard kind of situation. And you, you, can, you can do your ministry, but you just can't do it right here. That's an inconvenience for us. But the First Amendment protects the right of dad's place to operate its ministry wherever God has called us to do so. And in this case, God has called dad's place to operate exactly where it is. And as you can as you've heard from the pastor's stories, God is working there and dad's place just wants to continue operating and continue helping. The city, frankly, should be walking alongside them and and helping them to accomplish this goal because these people have nowhere else to go. And if the church doesn't step in, who's going to do it? So Ryan, one more question for you on this. What are the specific things that the city is, that the authorities of the city is asking for? And are they things 
that could easily be done? If they were to be done, would this go away? Just kind of take us through some of those details. As I understand, the only thing that's going to make the city happy is if they put those people out on the streets and, and get them out of the church. I, th there is no remedy short of that. Th there is, is no sort of tweaking something here and there to comply with fire code from what I understand. What the city wants is for people to stop sleeping in the church, eating in the church, and doing their laundry in the church. Th those are the three things that the city officials have highlighted over and over again in each of the city charges. Sleeping, eating, washing clothes which really just goes back to caring for people with needs, meeting both their spiritual and their physical needs. Uh, Pastor, you know, what was your initial reaction when this went from, hey, we're forwarding people to you, hey, this is a great community thing, to suddenly having this, you know, relationship with the authorities that was very different from that? What was the initial reaction you had to that? humiliated. I was humiliated. I, I said it before um, because I first I first found out the criminal charges came because uh, a, a colleague, let's say a, fe a fellow pastor, contacted me and said, hey, what's going on with dad's place? And I was embarrassed because I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, it's on the front page of the paper. You've been charged with 18 crimes. And I hadn't read the paper. I had been served. And so I, I, you know, I, it came as a shock to me. So it's quite humiliating and embarrassing, um, you know, but then of course, if I can be frank, uh, it's a blessing because I truly believe what Jesus says and that's follow him and there's going to be persecution and that's a blessing. And uh, my responsibility is to respond with the grace of Jesus, you know, um, to love my neighbors well Um to, to remember my battle is not against flesh and blood, um, to step aside and allow uh, my counsel, like Ryan and the others who are involved, to do their job and uh, to be patient and wait on the Lord as he works through even the courts. I believe that God works even through the courts. And, and uh, you know, I, I can frankly say that um, the persecution that has come has done what God promises. It's, it's only served to advance the gospel. You know, Paul says that about being in prison. He's like, being in chains has only served to advance the gospel. And and I, I've had uh, letters from people who saw the story and said uh, they were kind of losing faith, um, that there was still compassion, that, that God was still on the move out there, and they regained faith. We just, as Ryan knows, because I couldn't help but share it, we had a gentleman in the church last night who came in as part of our 24-hour ministry who had told me never, ever, well, I believe in your God. And last night uh, he surrendered. And, uh, and, and it's, it's cool. I, I was talking to a, a friend and it was kind of like a Zacchaeus story because he immediately, he contacted some parents he was estranged from and, and thanked them for how they raised him and just this amazing change in his heart. And, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful I get to witness all this. You know, I, my, my so you have no just, plans. You have no plans to back down on this, right? You have no plans at this point to to stop the ministry despite the case going on. Well, my plan is just to follow God's will wherever that leads. There's, I can't see any other way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll i say this for me personally, if that's appropriate. Um, I simply can't stop doing what I believe God's called me to do. It's not in my capability, if that makes sense. Like, I, I get it when... when when Paul says that you can't credit me, right, to, for preaching the gospel, I'm compelled. Like, I, I can't help it. 
Like it, 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 God has, he, he first loved me and he put this love in my heart for others and I can't help myself. It's not like I, you know, it's not, remember again, going back, uh, Billy, I was an atheist. And, and so this is not anything I pictured doing in my life. This wasn't my, like, I didn't grow up thinking I'm going to help the homeless or I'm going to preach at a church or, you know, this was not at all in my sphere of thinking, but God transformed me. I mean, I am born again. He gave me a new life and and I, I just can't help but share that good news. I, I can't contain it. And, and, but it's more than just speaking it, right? We're, we're not, right? Don't just love each other with words, but in deed and in truth. And so part of my loving others, not just letting them know I love them by coming out here and saying I love them, but living out that love as Christ lived out his love for me so much so that he was willing to die for me, a sinner, so that I could have eternal life in him. That's incredible, right? That's an incredible story. Uh, my story pales in comparison, but I'm here to share his well, story. Well, let me let me ask you the tough question because you and I'm sure you've heard this, and you know there's yep. going to be people who who say it. As, as a Christian, there are people who will say both inside the church and outside of the church, the the law says this, and you should be as a Christian pastor following the law regardless of whether you agree. What do you say to those people who I'm sure you've heard from already? Well, I'll say this and. Ryan, keep me in check, right? But uh, I, I believe I am following the law, certainly. Like, I, I don't believe I'm, you know, I, you know, one, Romans 13 and those, it's it's like, uh, certainly we're not here to rebel against the law, you know? And uh, so I'll talk from it scripturally, just so people understand. Uh, you know, we can go in Corinthians, go other places and say, hey, uh, slaves, obey your master, Right. And we understand the principle behind it. We certainly wouldn't go to someone in a, in a enslaved country. They still exist where people are in slavery and say, hey, by the way, uh, you know, um, obey your master, you know, in, the, in, in that context. Like if your master is brutal and abusive, right, it's about representing God in all you do. And, uh, and you know, when, when people bring Bibles into China, can I say that? But I've heard it's true, right? Uh, we don't say Romans 13. You don't bring those Bibles into China. Um, we don't do that. We understand that that the law of of God was was uh, how we're to love our neighbor. You know that was that was right. The Ten Commandments they're, they're how we express God's love to others. And so I believe that's what we're doing. We're expressing God's love to others. I do not believe we're in violation of any law. We are a church open twenty four seven, and as far as I know, there's no law against that uh, being open twenty four seven. And we are doing the mission of the church. We are not a homeless shelter. Um, we just are a church that's open 24-7. And unless we have a biblical reason to ask someone to leave, we don't ask them to leave. So hopefully that's uh, right and true. And I answered well, but that's that's my view on it. And I'll just affirm every, everything that that he said as well, that he is his actions are fully protected by the First Amendment, by federal law and Ohio law, for that matter. What the people who are violating the law here are the city whose actions, quite frankly, are unconscionable. The way that they have humiliated this man, the way that they are continually harassing him, to make a pastor, to cast him as a criminal is just wrong. Well, we are going to be continuing to monitor this case. I appreciate you guys giving me a lot of time here. We, we really did uh, talk for a while and break it down. And as the details unfold, we'll have you back to discuss them. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. 
That's all for today's Newsmakers podcast. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of the show and also head over to the CBN News YouTube channel and the CBN News channel to watch Newsmakers every week. We'll see you soon.